Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm David Moore, and I just finished a week-long staycation and got some projects done around the Lair. And I'm Ken Newquist, and I'm a hiking, swimming, running, book-reading machine who, who really just needs a nap. <laughs> so, uh, staycation, eh? Yeah, uh, I I just it's a weird time to take it, but I just I just needed uh, I needed some time to get some things done around the house and also just to kind of uh, cleanse my head of some work stuff for a while. Uh, I was getting a little little too stressful. Uh, and so I just wanted to take some time away uh, and not get burned out because I've gone through that before. And uh, it's not a good not a good place. We're going to switch things up a little bit uh, for all our listeners out there. Uh, we're going to actually go back and forth. So it's not one of us talking for half an hour and then the next one talking for half an hour. We're going to actually pop back and forth with our, our topics. My first topic, however, uh, I got to play for the last few weeks uh, with a new printer. Uh, so I have, I used to have, well, still do have a printer bot. I can't remember if it was the simpler I printer bot play. I have the simple, but that's much older and it just was not a really big print area and it broke and I, uh, you know, it was mostly one of those printers where I can go ahead and uh, not have, to, it was more of a, more like a toaster where it just kind of worked uh, and I didn't want to futz with it, etc. But I know, even though I know how, I just didn't want to spend hours and hours and hours. So I ordered the new Prusa i3 MK3S Plus, um, which is highly recommended. It's more expensive than your typical uh, uh, typical knockoff printer. But I also, again, I wanted a printer that just worked. I didn't want to spend hours playing around and tickering with it. And uh, so while it while it shipped, uh, I was I ended up fixing the other one, <laughs> of course. Um, but of course, <laughs> yeah. But once the once the new one got here and I, I, I bought the kit version, I said I set it up. Oh, my gosh, it is night and day. Like you get what you pay for. The printer bot play was inexpensive. So what makes it what makes it so different? So a couple of things make it different. It will. Uh, it's got a heated bed, so things stick to the, the, the bed a lot more easily for the entire print. I've only had a couple things come unstuck. Uh, I don't need to have blue painter's tape to give it a sticky area. Uh, it comes with a, a magnet. It, it comes with a steel sheet with a particular coating on it that is magnetized to the main bed. So when it finishes and the printer, the bed cools down, you just pick the bed up and flex it a little bit if it's still stuck. Because when it cools down, sometimes it just pops off the bed immediately. Uh, and I, so I don't need to use like a spatula or anything to like scrape it off the bed and it just, it just works. And uh, so it's, it's a good, what, five, six, five, about five, six inches square and then five inches, five, six inches of vertical height. Um, which is, I was able to do that depth 
you know, like, like the the Y direction depth on the old printer, but the X direction depth was half that. So I wasn't able to print a whole bunch of stuff that was that was larger. Um, one of the things that I printed recently was uh, someone had put together this D20, like this flattened two dimensional sort of D20 uh, wall art. And so I went whole hog on it. I printed all the pieces of, of it, painted them, mounted it on pretty thick um, polycarbonate, put fairy lights behind it. Uh, and and then so now that's that's hanging up in the girls game room. And it looks really cool. Uh, the girls love it. Um, and I've just it, I love this printer. It, it just works really well. Um, printed a couple of other things like a, uh, a pen holder for the pens that I've been uh, pens and pencils that I've been turning and uh, to kind of display them. Uh, the ones I haven't sold or given away. <laughs> um, and uh, I printed out this little DIY stream deck uh, that I'd shown you you before. Uh, but it's I had some extra mechanical key switches and I had an Ar- uh, Arduino knockoff that and found a DIY stream deck sort of thing. And I, I printed out the case for it. Um, it's just, it's really nice. Uh, I've also got the last thing I did. Uh, most recent thing I did was I started someone put, put a, uh, fifth element multi-pass model that holds vaccination cards. And so I've, I've printed, I've printed out one so far for my wife, which is a larger, she has, for some reason, she has a larger one than the rest of the family. So I have to find the smaller version of that. Uh, so we, we have, we will have multi-pass holders for the vaccination cards if we ever need to cart them around and show them. So we can recreate the multi-pass scene from fifth element. So, Yeah. So I've I've been following you. Uh, of course, uh, we you know talk occasionally uh, over the week, but I've also been seeing your posts on Twitter about your trail to Philmont. Uh, but so so tell me more about it. Uh, we're we're in the final stretch, uh, which means that everybody gets to finally. I I, I I expect everyone will be excited to hear this. I'm gonna start talking. Stop talking about Philmont soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like two years. I promise you, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop soon because uh, we're gonna be there in 30 days, which seems just unbelievable. Because we're we're just we're in the final stretch. This is it. We leave June 30th for Colorado, and then we're two days in Colorado, and then cool. we're we're in New Mexico where we're backpacking for 12 days. So we went on we went on our final uh, shakedown hike uh, this past weekend, 17 miles over two days on the Appalachian Trail in New Jersey. And so we had done the same stretch of trail in April, and in April it was in the 50s and cold. And I I. I consoled myself thinking, well, when we do this again in May, uh, it's going to be a lot warmer. And so we went backpacking uh, this weekend and it was in the 40s and raining. (laughs) So (laughs) even colder, I think, than when we went in April. And it rained. Well, we got lucky on Saturday. It it only rained for like at the beginning it downpoured. Um, but we didn't get started until after the downpour was done. And then we only had to hike through the rain for a relatively short period of time. On Sunday, it just steady rain, like light rain, but steady rain the whole the whole seven miles. Hiking through the rain has always been miserable for me. 
Uh, and hopefully that when you're at Philmont, you don't have to do that. That's the hope, right? And so the thing is, we do we do this thing called uh, it's uh, roses, buds, and thorns. And like the idea is, is that after every day, you talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what you can improve on, right? Um, and so everybody else is kind of saying, oh, you know, this is obviously a thorn. It rained. It was miserable. We were cold. Uh, I wouldn't say miserable. I mean, we were we were well prepared. So I think that's the thing. Uh, one of our uh, scoutmasters likes to say: "There's no bad weather, only bad gear." Right. Right. And so at this yeah, point, I totally well, yeah, agree. we have pretty good gear. So uh, that that was the, the that was the good side, right? Um, but for me, the rain was actually a plus. I mean, sure, I don't like slugging through the rain any more than anybody else, especially when it's cold. But it gave us a chance to test a bunch of stuff, right? And it, it gave us the opportunity to learn stuff that we hadn't learned on any of our other hikes because it hadn't rained. So after this hike, we knew that uh, my son needed better rain gear. Uh, he has an L.L. Bean rain jacket we borrowed from my daughter. I thought it might be good enough for the trip. It just didn't hold up in the heavy rain. It's a couple of years old. I think the waterproofing is getting a little little weaker. Fine sure. for just like running out in the car. But, you know, if you're spending eight hours walking <laughs> through the forest, right. eh, not so much. Yeah. Um, I also discovered my rain gear uh, has gotten loose. Uh-oh. <laughs> So I bought my rain gear like a year and a half ago and I've lost like 20 something pounds since then. Wow. And so I'm okay. walking along I'm like, damn it, my freaking pants won't stay up. And it's well, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I figured it out. They should be fine for the trek. But it's just, uh, you know, happy problem to have, obviously. But I'm like right on right. the cusp, right? Like they're they're at the limit of how tight I can make them. So I was like stuffing my shirts into it to keep them from falling down. So that was amusing we discovered we needed uh waterproof compression sacks for sleeping bags we right. just had kind of regular stuff sacky type things for our sleeping bags which compress down really nice but it doesn't keep them from getting wet right uh, right and so i needed that um i knew i needed that and it had been on my list but this kind of reaffirmed it i discovered my sleeping bag is rated down to 20 degrees but for some reason i'm, I'm still just a little cold so i might get a liner and i think the biggest thing so we we actually got food that we will be eating at Philmont and brought it on the trek. And so what happens at Philmont is that they give you like these these bags of food and each of them is labeled for the meal you're going to have, like breakfast one, lunch one, dinner one. Okay. Yeah, I remember when when Aaron and I were doing more backpacking and hiking, uh, we would get these uh, full-on meals that were vacuum-packed, dehydrated. So we would get like, oh, it's our spaghetti dinner. And, you know, you'd open it up and there'd be like basically powdered sauce and dried noodles and you'd pour it in. And it worked great uh, and it tasted really good. But it was uh, and and for backpacking where every ounce of water is, you know, heavy. <laughs> uh, it was it was great. Right. I don't know. Oh, is yes. it anything like that yes. or? Or is it more pre-made uh, already? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so it's a lot. It's a lot more um, prepared food. So each of these bags will have like so. For example, for I'm trying to think what we had for 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 lunch, there was individual slices, sealed slices of of spam. Okay. Like, honest to God, spam. Uh, a pouch of because you know prepared meat. Uh, you know, nicely preserved. Uh, yeah. A pouch of Gatorade to dump into your um, water bottle. Um, Oreos. Uh, I think a Cliff Bar. And so it's a bunch of like really high 
it's it's all high calorie stuff because we're expected to burn something like I think three thousand those three thousand calories a day, like some right. some very large number of calories per day, and they don't want you to lose any weight while you're there. So it's a lot of high calorie, lightweight food, and so. There are some instance things. So for dinner, we had um, it was basically like, you know, um, it's not chicken in a can, but instead chicken in a sealed pouch. Right. Right. Uh, Plus instant potatoes, plus dried vegetables. And so we kind of mixed it all together and made kind of like a poor man shepherd pie. Cool. Um, And so the the thing, the challenge, I think, for my son and I is that we don't usually eat like this. Like, you know, I don't know that. I mean, I know people love spam, but I don't eat a lot of spam. Uh Uh, And so we don't tend to eat a lot of prepared foods aside from like my chicken tender addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Chicken tenders and tater tots are the most closest I get to that. Right. Uh And so the thing is, is like it kind of upsets your stomach. Right. So like Lucas uh, had some of this while we were on the trail and like he's like, dad, my feel quite so good so i had some of those pepto-bismol tablets i'm like here take two of these um just to to calm it down but i'm like okay when i got home i'm like we need to eat some of this before we go so we can kind of get our systems acclimated to eating food that we're not used to right because if you've had a cliff bar like if you're not used to those things you eat one and then it kind of like sits in your stomach and you're like wow yes it's it's tasty (laughs) it's kind of tasty sawdust if I remember kind of the, the sticky sawdusty sort of texture. Um, but yeah, we, yes. I, we would take those to Gen Con as a, we only have five minutes between games and we're super duper hungry. I will have one of these with a lot of water and hopefully right. that will get me through. So now that you mention it, uh, it not dissimilar from eating at Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because you grab on, because you know you're at, you're you're at Gen Con. You don't want to spend all this time running out. Like you want to save your money for the big meals when you go out with your friends and what have you. Right, right? and you've only got like five minutes between games. So what do you do? You eat two cold pop tarts, slam some Mountain Dew or Gatorade, and like you know you're on to the next thing. So imagine that only a lot more calories. Um, and it's be- it's better food overall, I guess, but you know it's still. Yeah, it, you you don't eat very well at Gen Con during the day. Uh, like for us, I uh, like I'll go out at night and we'll go to like um, the Ram or maybe even Weber Grill one night of the week. Uh, you know, so there are good food. There is good food to be had, but like during the day when you're going between games, it's it's junk food usually. <laughs> And, you know, or, right. or whatever, whatever right. you happen to put in your your bag at the beginning of the day. And usually I try right. to do pretty good, but, you know, it's still Gen Con. So. Right. So, you know, it's it's just like Gen Con, except it's in the middle of the New Mexico desert. Uh, instead of like 50 pounds of D&D books, I'll be carrying 50 pounds of gear. Right. And uh, I will be eating over. <laughs> interesting foods with, so with there was that not um, very good i also learned brings. that my boots weren't nearly broken in enough oh yeah well you know you bring a trowel right and i will leave it to the reader's attention the listener's attention as to exactly how you're supposed to use said trowel but i think you guys can figure it out right uh <laughs> so we do travel from base camp to base camp and there are some like uh rural uh rustic uh facilities but yeah you know you gotta go you gotta go mm-hmm. um 
But as I was saying, my, my boots aren't broken in well enough. And so I thought I was beyond this, quite honestly. I got cocky is really what it came down to. I've got sock liners. I thought, you know, I'm good. And I was feeling like a little bit of rubbing on my the back of my heel. And I'm like, ah, I'm just going to power through. And I got off the trail and I'm like, I got this very lovely blister. And I'm like, oh, man, blister. Like, a blister? <laughs> what the poor freaking Philcon? Uh, Philcon. <laughs> That's what you should have. Philcon. Yep. Uh, before Philmont. So I'm nursing that and like trying to keep up our, our training routine. So Lucas and I are going to, like next, we're going to uh, eat bad food to prepare our stomachs for later. <laughs> and we're going to start swimming in the morning. So he volunteered it. He's like, I want to, I want to. I wanna... Swimming is really good exercise. The only time we can do it is at six in the morning before he has school. So we're wow. going to get up at like five thirty tomorrow morning, go to the Y and swim. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> good luck. It's it's a yeah, lot easier. So speaking of adventures. Yeah, I was going to say it was a lot. It's a lot easier when your child volunteers to get up that early rather than you having to get them up that early. Yes, and he is he is particularly motivated because one of um one of the parts of our trek before we actually go onto the, the Philmont proper piece is we're going whitewater rafting, and uh, it's serious whitewater rafting, like cool. class four rapids and wow. what have you. So he wants to, and and one never wants to get out of said raft in in these kinds of uh, rapids, right? Uh, but obviously, like we haven't been swimming in a year, so he wants to build up his swim strength. So I applaud him. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be doing in the morning. That sounds good. So, uh, <laughs> so talking about talking about, um, you know, adventures in the wilderness, uh, you've been working on uh, Dyson Fall. Yeah. Uh, the trials and tribulations of my Sunday game have actually led to some benefit stuff. Uh, we we had the Dyson Fall game as kind of the secondary game for when we all couldn't get together. And it turns out that we haven't been able to get together for a while. And so I've been able to run Dyson Fall and work on it. Uh, I worked on it some uh, during the staycation. And uh, so one of the things that is you know, part of Dyson Fall is you're kind of growing your community. So I started working on different ideas for the community rules. And since it's based on Mythic D6, uh, the Bastion game that is uh, also based on Mythic D6 does have a set of rules for building up your own company. And so I'm using those as a base and kind of building on those to have you uh, have you build your own community uh, and as you adventure you and you bring back things to your community, it, it grows uh, and gives you benefits while you're out on adventuring as well, like both a reputation, uh, but also um, but also depending upon your community, it may also bring some disadvantages like your community is known for like maybe being a little soft. It's not very well defended. So maybe you when people meet you they'll think you're soft. Um, but also, you know, if, if it's like they, they know that it's a rich community, well, maybe they're more inclined to trade with you um, or, you know, different things like that. Uh, it's definitely turning out more like Kipo and the Wonder Beasts than the first or second edition Gamma World, uh, which 
actually pleases me because first and second edition game world was very much um, kick down the door, take their stuff, but also characters can die really, really quickly. And so uh, D6, the D6 system there is characters just don't die easily. And so it's it's not fitting that sort of aesthetic to it, um, but it still has the exploration and the wonder that that part of Game World that that's the part of Game World that I liked, and so that's coming out in this game. So we're we've been we've been doing some uh, you know kind of back and forth. I've been tweaking some of the some of the community stuff. Uh, we've been really heavily dealing digging into the mutations that people can have and using the mythic d6 powers rules and trying to figure out how best to do that uh, we were originally thinking i was i was originally thinking well i'll just make a whole bunch of powers and you just buy them and realized that if i want a decent set of powers that i'd probably spend you know several hundred hours just statting out powers and so it's like no I want to let, let me let me take my hands off the reins a little bit so that and give more power to the players and the GMs who are actually going to play it. And so basically it's going to be along the lines of you have to take these limitations on your powers to fit thematically. Um, but then you guys can make your own powers using the Mythic D6 rules. Um, since they're already written, they're already there. Um, just having like the limitation of like signature effect. Like if you have telekinesis, maybe you have antenna coming out of your head uh, that that shows that you have a mutation that might be related to your brain. And and then the other one is uh, costs hero points to use. So you're not superheroes in in Dyson Fall. You have powers that might seem super heroic, but it takes effort uh, to bring them out. And so that's why I have the the cost hero points to use, which is one of the mechanics in Mythic D6 that allows you to, you know, add dice or other things like that. It's kind of like fate points in fate or bennies, uh, things like that. Um, and so it, it costs that as part of the currency there. Yeah. So what's your what's your next topic there? Well, back into the wilderness. So I'm uh, I'm this weekend. I'm going for training for wilderness first aid training, which uh, is how to treat someone for an injury when you're miles from anywhere. Uh It's uh, the sort of like practical skills that you hope you will never, ever use. And uh, it, it should be really interesting. It is nine hours over two days that include training role playing but sadly no dice and so you know the idea here is that they treat you know let's say let's say someone's got a uh like a broken leg like you you come so we'll take a step back many 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 years ago uh, my wife who is an avid backpacker uh took wilderness first aid training she actually took more advanced training than what i'll be taking this weekend and so i got to be a victim and so okay. what because i was the victim what they did was they dumped me on a countryside uh, like on a hillside and um, they had, well, before they dumped me, they, they put makeup on me to indicate the kind of wound that I would have. And then I had to kind of moan a lot on the side, on the side of the mountain. <laughs> so and then you could they be had found. to find me. So I got to <laughs> moan for about 10 minutes before they actually, yeah, so I could actually be found. Because what, they, what you then have to do is, as part of the training, they're saying, okay, look, there's a situation. You have to observe the situation. You have to identify if there's any dangers there. Then you have to get a sense for, like, what is the current 
status of this person? Are they non-responsive? Are they conscious? You know, are they breathing? Do they have a pulse? Like that kind of stuff, right? And right. so, you know, they wanted to make it as realistic as possible. So they dropped me on the side of a mountain and <laughs> and then they had to carry me down. Uh, so, you know, so they did a field assessment and they had to get me on a stretcher. Then they had six people had to like carry me down the side of the hill uh, to get back to the, um, to the main area, like the... Uh, center where they were based out of and then they continued their assessment and what have you right and so over time i had a little script i got to follow okay and so i could give them more clues as things went on right but i wasn't allowed to talk at first because i think i was i think i was suffering from hypothermia so they had to warm me up enough to be able to be like more responsive but so anyway now i get to do it and uh it's a wee bit nerve-wracking quite honestly like uh you know i I did my cpr training a year and a half ago and Mm -hmm. cpr is one of the things we're gonna have to do this coming weekend so i'm cramming in a way that i (laughs) haven't crammed since college uh studying for this weekend uh i'm gonna brush up on some of my other first aid stuff because it's one of those things like you know, you cover it, you review it, and it's like we teach it to the scouts, but I typically haven't been teaching the first aid stuff. There's other people who teach first aid. Mm-hmm. So there's a very excellent chance that I won't pass the first aid test, uh, wilderness first aid test, but that's okay <laughs> because there's two other leaders who are trained in wilderness first aid. Right. And that's how many we need for this particular track. So it's good. It's, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's going to improve my game, right? Like, yeah. You know, you can when you can bring in these little bits of realism into your game, like I don't know that you need to actually spend an hour role playing how to set someone's broken ankle. But, you know, I have found that when you do these kinds of real world adventures, right, like you never know what you're going to be able to bring back to the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Like I've I've always done that in terms of like my coding. You know, I, I learn something outside of what I do every day to try and expand stuff. Uh, and for Dyson fall, like reading the calculating stars with the meteorite hit, I brought that into Dyson fall, uh, for the part of the, the latest, uh, the latest adventure, you know, uh, it was, and then people liked that where, you know, the shockwave hit the town and flattened some buildings and they had to go rescue people out of the buildings and, and fires had started, et cetera. Uh, so yeah. So bringing those little things into your game is a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So are you going to bring uh, the new battery that you got into your, <laughs> into your game in some way? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah. The, the new battery, I'm getting the new battery for the Nissan Leaf. Uh, and uh, oh, my gosh, it's expensive, but it's not as as expensive as a new car. Our Leaf is a 2012 Leaf, so it's nine years old. It's got um, uh, 80 ish thousand miles, 90,000 miles, somewhere around there. And it is uh only got less than half the bars when you fully fill up the battery. And so it, it only goes about 40, 45 miles before the battery is just kaput. And that's okay because my wife doesn't live, does not work that close to where we or works that pretty close to where we live. So that's fine. Even in the winter when the battery does not output as much, it's still fine. She can get back and forth. But this is going to be the car for my oldest who's going to college and she's going to be commuting to college, which is, you know, about 20, 30 miles away ish. Uh, And we want her to be able to get there and back without having to charge while she's there. And so we looked into things. Uh, originally, Nissan was saying it was going to be 6,500. That was when we initially bought the car five years ago. It's more along the lines of 8,500 to 9,000. 
Uh, so wow. uh, we had to do some things financially <laughs> to afford That's that. That's one hell of a battery. <laughs> it is a big battery. It is expensive. Uh, but it is also like because of COVID, even used car prices are up there. You know, they're 15, 20 percent right. more than they normally would be. Uh, not only because people want to buy the cars now that they are now that restrictions are lifting, they want to go and get a new new or new ish car and go road tripping or, or whatever. But also a lot of the rental car places had sold off a lot of their inventory at the beginning of COVID. And now that their things are really ramping back up, they're like, we need cars. We need anything. And because of the chip shortage and manufacturing, they can't get new cars. So they're buying used cars. Wow. So this is kind of the best option for us. You know, we're, we're still looking to get another car because our other car is even older. <laughs> it's a, it's a 12 year old Saturn view. And so it's, and it's seen better days. It still works really well. But it's got some issues and we're probably and it's also too big for my oldest to drive. She it's it's one of those things where and and I had forgotten this was when I first went from a normal size car to like a minivan. When I got that, uh, that was hard to drive. And uh, I, I can't imagine getting your license on a car like that, you know, and learning to drive on a car like that is, is very difficult. And so, uh, we want to go ahead and let her have the, the smaller car, but we definitely still need another car eventually, but we're hoping this will allow us to put that off for that much longer. Uh, and hopefully the car prices will come down. Yeah. We had gotten, uh, I guess, I guess in early spring like marchish we got uh, a, a chevy traverse a used chevy traverse and the, uh-huh. the car market had been heating up then right like it was already hard um and you know it was like and and we, we i think we really we lucked out like we we just managed to get it right at the right time and and that thing to your point it is huge like <laughs> my daughter gets a little nervous when she's driving it because it's it's bigger than the highlander but we got it because we needed we're just transporting people all over the place. We're going to be taking her to college, right? So we got to haul all of her stuff up. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, I go backpacking and what have you with my son. And so you need, eventually when the pandemic is over, we need to be able to throw a bunch of scouts and gear in the back of the, of the car and go. So right. I don't know that it's our long-term car, but it's definitely our right now car. And I'm, I'm thankful we were able to get it before the, <laughs> before things really heated up. Cause I didn't even think about the rental cars. Jeez. Yep. Like it's, yep. it's a tough market. Yeah. Um, it seems like I'm talking about a lot of technology stuff and you're talking about a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, uh, so tell me about the, about disc golf. Yeah, I don't think I, I was, th- I was looking through our show notes. I don't think I've ever talked about disc golf before because, uh, I guess I haven't, I haven't played it in a year. So, uh, but it is a game. So, you know, we're still on gaming. So disc golf uh, is funny, right? Uh, it is is like golf, but you play it with the the equivalent of a flying disc slash frisbee. Frisbee, of course, is the trademark, and so I think they get upset if you call it frisbee golf. But right. in any case, it is disc golf, and it is not in fact frisbee golf because just like in regular golf, uh, you have uh, a driver and um, you have a medium range disc and you have a putter disc, and so there's three different kinds of discs with three different kinds of flight properties. And um, 
way more than I knew about disc golf when I started like 2015. So originally my friends and I were working on this massive web redesign project for the college I was working at. And we were just stressed out because we were putting in like we don't normally put in super crazy long hours, but it was one of those things like we wanted to hit our July deadline. We needed to launch at the end of the month and we're, we were doing like the 60 hour, 80 hour a week thing. Like we're just we're putting in the time that we need to get it done. And even when we weren't putting in particularly long hours, it was just stressful. Like we were working on that project continuously every day. You just come into the war room and like we code. And so we needed a break. And so we're like, hey, you know, disc golf, what's disc golf? Well, let's go try it. It's basically just throwing discs in the woods. And so mm-hmm. it, it was very relaxing. And it's basically, you know, just a couple of guys going in the woods. And so the idea is just like in regular golf. So we have these these drivers and putters and whatever that I was describing. They're different discs with different flight properties and you throw them at a basket and that basket just like in regular golf uh with its holes is a certain distance away measured in like yards or feet right and so you try to get to the basket within a certain number of throws just like in golf it's you know if you get it's like a par three or a par five where you try to get it in that many attempts we are very bad at this and we haven't gotten better But it's like a good walk in the woods, right? So you get together with your friends, you know, we'll get together at like 730 in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning before it gets too hot. And then we'll just go out and kind of walk the course and have a good time, like just chit chatting, laughing at each other when someone nearly gets hit by a disc. Uh, We have lost many, many a disc uh, because, you know, you're throwing a disc into the woods. And again, we're not very good at this. (laughs) So with the pandemic. Uh, we stopped playing it because, you know, I mean, especially like in the early days of the pandemic, right? Like nobody wanted to be in close proximity to ever, right. anybody else, right. you know, social distancing and what have you. And even though it's a walk in the woods, we were being super, super cautious. Um, but now we're on the other side, hopefully, fingers crossed, of the pandemic. Everybody's vaccinated or soon will be. And so I, th- I think we're bringing it back. I, I'm, I need to talk to my friends. I think it might be a thing for me. It might have to wait until after we get back from Philmont. But I'm hoping that we can get the gang back together because it turns out, and I had I had no idea before this, uh, but the Lehigh Valley is like one of the premier places for disc golf. Wow. <laughs> like people come here from other areas to play disc golf because we have really good disc golf courses. So we actually cool. have a disc golf course that's like right down the road at our, our city park. Uh, there's another one in South Mountain in Bethlehem. And then there's like the Pebble Beach of disc golf courses <laughs> at uh, Lake Nockamixon in Bucks County. It's just like okay. it's got like water hazards. It's beautiful. Like, I don't know how well it's been maintained during the pandemic, but uh, it is like it is a beautiful, beautiful course. And so I'm hoping we're going to get back to it because it was super relaxing and I miss it, even if I am, as I say, really bad at it. Yeah, I, I know that there is a disc golf course near me but I have yet to be able to find it. I've been kind of interested occasionally. uh, Some friends of mine, uh, Wesley and Bob, they play and used to talk about it on their podcast, which is uh, they've since shuttered. But it, it was like I started looking into it, but the only one there's one near me theoretically. But I like I said, I haven't been able to find it. I did know of one close to where I used to live in Munster, Indiana, but I don't want to drive two plus hours to go there. Uh, And I don't even know if it's still there. Uh, It was, they put it in back when I was in high school, actually. And, and I used a regular Frisbee, um, not, not the specialized ones. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of don't know. Did they, did disc golf come out and then the putter driver uh, medium range discs come out or did it all come out kind of all at once? I, I really, I really don't know. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know the I don't know the prehistory of it. I think uh I suspect it evolved over time. I suspect yeah. people started it with a more traditional generic flying disc and, and it evolved into more specialized tools over time. Right. Uh, I mean I gotta say, like when you watch people who know what they're doing play disc golf, it's really freaking impressive, right? Like they have great control, they know how to throw it, they've got these fantastic moves, and you're like, Wow, that's really, really cool. I cannot do that. <laughs> yeah, I uh the <laughs> and so we just kind of laugh. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I have a feeling that I'll be like that, or or that we'll have a uh, peanut style kite eating tree, but for frisbee do- for but for disc golf discs on our course, <laughs> or at least for me, if I if I start playing at least initially, it, it sounds cool. I want to play, and it it just sounds like a nice relaxing uh, walk and ex- and exercise at the same time. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like I said, I haven't found mine yet. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to come out there and actually to actually play, but it's a bit bit far. Yeah. So yeah. So so speaking of uh, like relaxing activities, uh, more yep. woodworking. Yep. Um, the staycation. I didn't turn anything on the staycation, but uh, I did a, a little bit before then. I I finished three pens for uh, our friend Natalie, who did our logo. And uh, finally got them shipped out to her, and she uh, she likes them, which is good. And then uh, I turned some seam rippers, uh, one for my mom and one for my aunt. Uh, they're used to uh, cut the seams out of, like, to either repair a, a garment or, like, if maybe something in the sewing machine wandered or whatever, and they have to take it out, or if they're if they're you know altering something where they're taking something in or letting something out uh it's it's a very convenient tool to to rip to cut those threads to open that seam up and so i there were some kits there for that and i i've just been really enjoying doing that it is it is a relaxing uh pastime because i have to be aware of what i'm doing but i don't have to really think too hard about like how to do it or what is my method? Uh, I just have to be paying attention so I don't hurt myself. Uh, but other than that, I can just kind of concentrate on, well, what kind of shape do I want? You know, what kind of, uh, you know, do I have to be more aggressive on cutting this thing or not? Um, but it's, it's, it's a very soothing sort of rhythm that I can get into. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, I did start on uh, another woodworking project outside of turning, uh, which was our silverware drawer is probably like most people's has a plastic insert in the drawer, which doesn't fit the drawer at all. So it kind of slides around in there and it's just a mess. And so I'm going to be replacing that with a, a custom wood insert so that it does. So it fits the entire drawer and it won't slide around, but it also has custom sized areas to fit the things that we have, like a nice square area that will fit the pizza cutter, the round pizza cutters that we have or a little area for the chopsticks that we have so that things just aren't just thrown in there. So it looks like a junk drawer. So that's, that is my current project that I'm working on. Part of the woodworking side of things was also dealing with that polycarbonate uh, that I was, that I did the D20 that I talked about earlier. Um, They come in square sheets or rectangular sheets. I wanted it to be round. So I, I made it, use my my uh, palm router to uh to make it a a round disc uh so that it's more dice like when uh you know when it was done it was a lot of fun so uh you do have a little bit of gaming in here 
I do. I do. The uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition uh, finally came out. It came out in uh, May of 2021, and uh, it includes the remastered versions of all three of the Mass Effect games, all of the DLC. It does not, unfortunately, uh, come with uh, online multiplayer, which I really enjoyed the multiplayer for Mass Effect, but for a variety of technical reasons, uh, it was just not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but it looks beautiful. I mean, I'm only running it on a PS4. I, I can imagine that it would be even better on a PS5, but it's it's beautiful. Everything's been upgraded. Uh, it tends to meander a bit. Like, you know, it's funny, right? Like, it's an old-school Bioware role-playing game, so... You're going and talking to all the NPCs. There's a lot of great action in it, but, you know, awesome world building, but you're going to spend a lot of time walking. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, uh, I've been enjoying it. Uh, the, the, the downside to it is, it, although it comes with all this great stuff, it does not actually come with any time to play it. Mm. Right. So I, um, I am struggling to pick up some time here and there, like, you know, half an hour. And, and, you know, it's a Mass Effect game, so you can't necessarily just pick it up, play it for half an hour and go. You really need right. to kind of commit to an hour of it. Which is kind of hard to find right now. The single biggest challenge I had with the game was getting my shepherd back. Right. <laughs> so there's my character that I played for all those years. And I thought about just creating a wholly new one. And then I started doing it I'm like, no, this feels weird. I need to get my shepherd back. And so, you know, you're sitting there and I start playing like the character the, and the character controls are great. And so you're going in and modifying and what have you and start playing the game. Like, no, that's not right. I need to do it again. So I went through like three restarts <laughs> before I got my shepherd. Wow. Good to go. Shepherd being the main character. If it wasn't obvious. Um, but I'm excited. The other thing that's challenging is that I have, I do have like a lot of muscle memory associated with Mass Effect because I did play all three games originally. But the problem is it's now all like they change the mechanics from game to game to game. And so originally. I don't know what I'm remembering, but it's definitely not Mass Effect 1. I standardized some of it with the remastering. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they went to a standard control scheme for all three. So you, I, it would make sense because they remastered everything. I, I looked yeah, at that's that. That's my understanding. Like they, they did to some extent. Yeah, and I I looked at that. I was gonna pick it up, but um then then uh my logical brain went, Hey, you don't have time for this. And you know, you bought like Fallout seventy six from the hype. And you know, we know how that turned out. So why don't you wait for a little <laughs> bit to find out if it actually is good and when you actually have time to play. So I do intend on picking it up. Um, you know, if I, if I hear that it's, it's pretty good. Oh, I also, you know, bought, uh, what was it? Um, cyberpunk 2077, you know, so not as bad as fallout 76 in my book, uh, even with the glitches, um, but still had some glitches and, you know, it was once again, one of those things of buy it after it comes out to make sure that everything's all good. I haven't heard anything bad about it, so it sounds like it's a good Mass Effect game, you know, because that's what it is, is Mass Effect. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's if you like Mass Effect, then you will enjoy Mass Effect Legendary Edition because it is more Mass Effect with less time spent waiting in elevators. Got it. Because in the original Mass Effect, that you spent way times. too much time in elevators, Got it. right? Because that's how they cover the load screens right and the yep. funny thing is there's like dialogue that happens like plot related dialogue that happens in the elevators that mm -hmm. you can miss if you just skip all the elevator scenes but the good news is you can actually skip all of the elevator scenes so yes i was not as wise as you honestly like getting it now is somewhat irrational because i just don't have time to play it <laughs> and 
No, but that's okay. You know, yep. the nostalgia I felt the first time that it powered up and like the Mass Effect theme came on, I was like, it just hit me right in the chest and that was worth it. It's like that two minutes of loading and the, the initial music was like, oh, oh, this is going to be good. So I, I yeah. do enjoy it. I recommend it for folks who enjoy Mass Effect. And it's, it's a nice uh, palate cleanser after a, a Mass Effect Andromeda, which was... Well, not very good. That is what I've heard. Um, I was almost like I have actually never played. I started playing Mass Effect one years and years ago uh, and then just didn't have the time to actually play it. So it was one of those things that I've never actually played any of the series. I almost got Mass Effect Andromeda, but that would but I waited until it came out and then <laughs> saw the reviews. And I was like, maybe I can skip this one. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I, I do want to play it uh, right now. I've got a couple of games in the queue before it, which is another reason I didn't feel the need to pick it up yet. Uh, I've got Subnautica Below Zero or yeah, Below Zero, uh, which I'm having fun with. And then after that, I've got Alien Isolation. Uh, which was a free game for a while in the Epic Store, but I've heard good things about it. Um, it's very creepy, sneak, or type stuff. Yes. It's supposed to be. I haven't played it, but I heard it's it's gotten very good reviews. Yep, yep. So I think that's it for us today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have feedback, we definitely love feedback. Uh, you can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com. Or you can send us a tweet on Twitter, at Layer of Secrets. And you can also visit LayerofSecrets.com and leave us feedback, topic ideas, your own thoughts about what we've talked about in the comment sections there. Thanks, everyone.